welcome to Kid Tech, the show that goes behind the scenes with some of the most interesting people making the kids' digital media sector happen today. I'm Dylan Collins. I'm the CEO of Super Awesome. I'm your host. We're about to have an amazing conversation with Eric Berger, who is the CEO of Sensical, uh, one of the most interesting kid streaming startups to have emerged in the last 12 months. Uh, I really think you're going to enjoy it. Eric Berger, CEO of Sensical. Really pleased to have you on the Kid Tech Show. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. Thrilled, thrilled to be here. So, um, I've been looking forward to this for ages. Uh, so many questions, and I know that a whole bunch of, of our listeners will as well. And before we dive into Sensical and before we dive into Common Sense Networks, um, can you talk a little bit about your background? Because you've you've been deep in video streaming. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different than some of your um, some of your other guests because I'm relatively new to the kids industry, but I've been but I've been in digital for a while. I mean, going back, I mean, I uh, was mobile game publishing and ran a you know big publishing unit for Sony around a lot of trivia games, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and Millionaire. Um, but really, sort of architected the first AVOD ad supported video streaming service in Crackle. Um, with you know movies and TV shows before that was really a thing and getting that out onto connected TVs and all platforms and, and grew that up to a very large platform, but also in the subscription space with a number of different subscription products we had. Um, we had acquired and turned around and merged with other businesses, um, Funimation, which is an anime um, streaming service. And then you know around all of this, was a big digital ad sales play, something you certainly know a lot about, but started the um, ad sales for a PlayStation platform as well as for Sony Pictures and grew that business. And then at the center of all of this digital, um, you need good content. And so created a uh, proprietary digital content studio that uh, was making shows like Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, you know, some more and scripted fare as well. Start, um, start up with Martin Freeman or Snatch with Rupert Grint. So, you know, it was, it was the full ecosystem of content monetization, distribution, and advertising on those platforms. I mean, I wonder if we should just have a separate episode going into everything we learned about, about advertising <laughs> within all of that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, 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 uh, I, I feel you will have seen a lot more uh, than most people in terms of that evolution. Um, and so let's, so, so you, you went from Sony to Common Sense Networks and you launched uh, Sensical, which right. is topic-based, it's curated, but fundamentally it's a free video streaming service for mm -hmm. kids between the ages of, of two and 10. And that, that description may not truly do it justice. Can you give me your version? There, there is a lot going on. I mean, um, and, and thanks for saying that. I mean, it is, I would say the only streaming service right now fueled by all of the, uh, the almost 20 years of child development science and learning from, from common sense media. Um, but it is about creating this handcrafted content and recommendations product built from the ground up specifically for kids. And it does have a unique programming take based on interest, you're right. So first of all, we did do ad supported and free because we wanna get into as many hands as possible, um, which we think is valuable for uh, a number of reasons. Um, uh, but if you certainly look out at the market, I think there's a real opportunity for free 
as more and more moves to subscriptions and people are bundling and rebundling and forming their own packages, there's room for free in your, your personal bundle. And I think it's important for a service like this to, to get into the hands. But we also focused on short form content um, to meet kids where they are. So we're, we're not trying to put the same offering together that you get from a lot of these big subscription streamers. Um, this is content that kids are really leaning into and have migrated to over the past few years. And we wanna give them something that's familiar, but fresh. But, but the biggest way that we pull that content together is through this rubric that has been adapted from the common sense media rubric for content evaluation. So they've been evaluating movies and TV shows you know, and, and other content for nearly 20 years. And, and we adapted that to create what we think is the world's only age appropriate content standard for this type of media and rooted in child development science. And so we set up this um, industrial process for looking at every frame of every piece of content with a group of trained experts and capturing all of the metadata um, for that content. So mountains of metadata for, for all of the video on age segmentation, learning attributes like math or science or literacy, plus like making and moving, um, social emotional attributes, um, compassion, curiosity, perseverance, um, hundreds of topics that kids love, you know, from how to, um, to passion areas and cars and boats and trucks and dinosaurs and oceans and all of that. And then, you know, and of course, we're weeding out for like safety and negative attributes. But what you end up with is this huge library of healthy content, it's about 15,000 videos are growing, studio content and digital content. So it's digital, you know, studio like Sesame and Mattel and E1 and Wildbrain and Nirvana and Henson. And, but we've got a lot of the big um, studio, digital first content from super simple songs and Ping Fong and Goldie Blocks, but a lot of hidden gems as well. And it all comes together in the service. So there's really um, nothing like it in terms of that library. But I think the programming like what you touched on is really what makes it truly special, um, which is based around interest-based learning. You know, and, and it comes from this place where kids learn best when they're exploring their passions. I think adults learn best when they're exploring their passions as well. And so we created all of the programming, 50 topic-based channels, around things like how to, you know, sports or drawing or dancing or cooking and DIY and building um, or learning fundamentals, you know, reading and math and science and history. And again, or just the stuff that kids love, you know, just like video games and animals, dinosaurs and, and space. And so with all of that, it's, um, it's just a unique proposition for kids to just go down that rabbit hole, which is becoming more and more of, a, uh, of an issue on certain other platforms. And here it's just, it's a free space for them. It's right. quite a ramble, quite a ramble about that. Sorry. Oh, that. very informative. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, I, I like yeah. a guest who can talk. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, that, like that was a really eloquent description of what Sensical is and, and why it's different. Why are you, or why did you launch it relatively recently, I suppose? Because I mean, you know, those, those things, would have been true maybe one or two years ago. They'd be true into the future. True. I suppose. What, what, why? Why now? The ultimate venture capitalist question. Yeah, um, the shift uh, of kids has been uh, growing increasingly over the last few years. You know, from all that other work that I had just described to you, I've been looking at millennials for for a very long time. Those millennials all have kids now. That's the Gen Alpha generation, and and it's exacerbated the growth to digital platforms away from 
more controlled environments like television. I think for years people debated, is it happening? Is cord cutting out? I mean, it's, please, like it's, it's happening. All TV will be streaming, like that's, that's over. And the bulk of the consumption is happening on online user-generated platforms that are designed for adults. They're not designed for kids. You know, that, that's more than the subscription platforms and certainly more than television or other controlled media like, like DVD. And that is exacerbated during, um, during COVID and during the pandemic. And so you have about 80% of kids spending hours per day on platforms like YouTube and TikTok, TikTok um, with inappropriate content, um, algorithms that are driving um, them into uh, places that are not age appropriate and an advertising experience that does not match. And so Common Sense has been hearing about this for years. Like they're rating movies and TV shows and books and podcasts, um, but they're increasingly seeing these shifts happening to these platforms and uh, realizing it's an opportunity. And so in conversations that we've had, that they've had with parents, you have 80% of parents that understand that all these things are happening. Uh, and they, they even understand words like algorithm now. There's been so much training and privacy, uh, but they don't know what to do with that. They don't necessarily have the tools or the wherewithal uh, to do with it. And it just, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to create something that not only is an alternative, but that goes one step further and provides a learning promise um, to kids around this interest-based learning um, that is, uh, we think, really important for for uh, for families. Mm. And let's talk about about the business of streaming. So, I'm right in saying Sensical is entirely free and entirely ad-funded. Is that right? It is, uh, and that's how we're starting. And so you could imagine that we're gonna evolve as the market evolves, but right now it is completely uh, ad funded business. And uh, I mean, I don't have to tell you about, <laughs> about, about that, but you know that um, at the core of is contextual content targeting. And, and I think one of the things that's unique about the way that we're coming at this is how much metadata we have. And so contextual content targeting is, you know, even for adults is, is getting more popular. There's no privacy issues. Um, uh, it's about more present behaviors versus past behaviors. And there's just some real benefits to doing it, but it's all about, can you align with the right content? And a lot of the brands that we talk to, um, they, they withhold dollars for fear of not knowing where to place their brand next to the right content. Is it really gonna deliver? Is it gonna be safe? Can they control the environment? And by um, you know, the 15,000 videos and beyond that we've screened every frame, we have metadata, we can construct programs for them that are very specific. So if they want a nine-year-old and they want uh, something around uh, building um, and they wanna uh, show values like teamwork, I mean, we can get down and down and down and find right. content that really aligns for that. I mean, the content we've licensed uh, from the digital creators represented 3.5 billion views last month on, on YouTube, about 250 million subscribers. So there's a lot there to work with in terms of providing. So that's where we're at. We're also working with brands and platforms um, on partnerships that are a little bit more longer term. So not necessarily media-based. Uh, and TikTok is actually one example of those, um, helping them to create family-friendly versions of their own service bringing our rubric, bringing our ratings, bringing our sensibility to help them um, work through um, how to connect with families in a, in a very safe way, in a very age appropriate manner. Very cool. 
How do you think attitudes to advertising amongst parents have changed over time or, or have they changed over time specifically for kids streaming? I think they're more um, uh, frustrated with the experience, um, the quality of advertising, the um, intrusion of advertising in digital is um, still a challenge on a lot of these platforms right now. Uh, you know, TV has had things for years where uh, there's a strong separation of content and ads, at, at least in the United States. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been mandated and you just don't see those being applied necessarily in the digital space with the advertising. You don't see um, frequency caps. You don't see content vetting and age appropriateness necessarily. Again, things that you supply and, and know a lot about. <laughs> uh, but you know, th these are what we're trying to carefully construct on our service. Um, how do you set the right uh, volume of ads? How do you separate the pods? How do we do um, very clear things like we'll be right back and do five second bumpers that take people to the advertising and we're now back to your programming so that there's no separation for the kids. And there's nothing on our service that represents what we would call consumerism, where you have um, you know, a lot of the unboxing and a lot of the kid hosted um, videos where there's this no separation between the brand uh, and the content and kids cannot discern at young ages. And we don't think that's appropriate. And so we don't have that type of content on there. And I think, you know, from our conversations with parents about what do they want, how can you improve on the experience? These are some of the things that they've all um, want to see and that we're, we're bringing to right. the service. And I, I suppose that brings me to a related, although uh, sort of larger question. I mean, do you feel digital parenting in general is getting easier or harder? I mean, but certainly there's more tools out there and there's more awareness of the requirements, but is it actually making it easier? Um, you know, I would say no. There are a ton of tools, but the, the tools, this is what we hear from the parents. I mean, the tools themselves are confusing and everyone's got their own tools. And so with the exacerbation of platforms, trying to sort through and come up to speed on how to use them um, is, is challenging. And in the end, when you do research, all the parents tell you they want them. And then, you know, everyone we talk to will, will tell you like, no one uses them, you know, in the end. And so what we tried to do um, is bake it all into the product so that the parent doesn't need to go in and do complicated tools. It's all in there. We pick the content, it's age appropriate, the advertising is appropriate. And the tools that we're supplying parents instead are um, ways that they can connect with their kids, not limit their screen time. So we have this parent report that feeds in the streaming data and the metadata so that they can see how much time your kids spent on all these topics. Like, did you know your child spent 33% of their time in the last seven or 30 days watching videos about nature or about dancing or about cooking? Here's five conversations that you can have with your kid. Here's five projects that you can do or a scavenger hunt or a do together or a project that you can do to extend the learning and extend the experience and the conversation. Those are the types of tools we think you know, are a little bit more interesting or help the parenting experience mm. versus just slogging your way through um, stuff to just limit and, and, and claw back um, right. things that really, it's because these platforms are built for adults. They're not built from kids to begin with. Yeah, yeah, that, is, that has continued to be an issue along the way. 
Um, so Silicon Valley had some had some founding problems in that regard. Not enough kids. <laughs> Um, it, the way you were describing um, that interaction there between parents and kids sort of sounded a lot like co-play. And I, I'm curious at this stage in the game, like is digital video and, and video streaming for kids display, uh, displacing play, play time? Is it another I, form of play? I, I, yeah, I think it's a risk. I think there's a lot out there that says that this Gen Alpha is is about the most sedentary generation. And if you talk even to um, uh, sports brands, um, sports leagues, teams, you know, they're even seeing uh, their concerns, you know, that there's just there's just much less interest by this generation coming up in in informal movement and sport activity, but even informal activity and and movement. And so it's interesting because we're a business that really believes in media balance and good digital citizenships. And at the same time, we're launching a video service. And so what we're doing is um, creating this, what we call the Your Turn initiative to pick up on what I was just saying about the parent tools, which is this sort of watch and do experience. So to the extent that kids love the video, they have these interests and these passions that they're watching, they're going down the rabbit hole, use that to get them to do something, teach them how to take their turn so they're going down and looking at cooking videos, building videos, dancing videos, um, football, hiking, all of these things at the end can be tagged. Now it's your turn. Like, how do you go out and, and, and pause the video experience and go do something yourself? And if you're young with your parents, you know, we're supplying the parents what we call do togethers. But if you're older, it's you can go out and do it yourself. And it can be applied to almost anything. I mean, it could be even um, you're watching uh, the insect videos seem to be extremely popular um, for us and for others. And so you can take a bug walk, you know, here's how to go find and explore thing yourself just to get kids up and moving and out to extend it. But because it's a risk, you're right. And, and do you think that's being amplified by sort of the impact of, of COVID and, and all the stay at home orders and everything else? Or was that a separate trend that was happening anyway? I think it was um, accelerated by hmm. COVID, but inevitable. I think it was heading mm. in that direction anyway. I mean, the tools are so much more interesting and engaging and not just video, obviously, but, you know, the metaverse and, and Roblox and everything that happens there is just, it's just so engaging for kids um, and easy to get um, hooked and get the dopamine up and get the creativity going. And there's some very positive things about that. You know, the creativity among kids is, it's just impressive and amazing what they're developing. Um, mm. But it's about balance, you know, finding that balance. Um, let's flip this round to sort of the other side of the platform and talk about the content creators. I mean, you were listing a lot of folks who you've partnered with um, for yeah. Sensical. I mean, is it easier today to be a digital content creator than it was, let's say, five years ago? I mean, in terms of being sustainable? It's good. It's a good question. I think for some, um, for some, it's probably much better. Uh, if you have built up some big IP in the last few years, you've got nine big streamers now, at least, you know, at least nine in the US, right. battling for audiences and understanding that kids is a churn reducer and spending a good amount of money to build up big IP, either from existing digital IP that's created or from books or other IP that exists. But like existing IP seems to be um, the name of the game to get people hooked. And if you have that, 
um, that's great. But if you don't have that, if you're not playing the algorithm game uh, on these big platforms, or you've got more how-to content that doesn't lend itself um, to the big streamers and the big IP that they're developing, I think the monetization avenues are a little bit um, more stunted on, on, um, on those platforms. And so they're looking to get out onto devices. They're looking to follow um, consumption into the living room, which is an increasing trend onto connected TVs. Um, or into other emerging platforms that are that are coming, and so they, um, they the the reason that we find you know people are very interested to work with us is because we get them up and onto other platforms, but also there's a some validation that comes you know if you make it through the process our evaluation process there's this sort of sensible seal, uh, which is um, validation that there's some quality there that should help with monetization for them. Um, down the line, even beyond what they're doing with us. So I would say it's a, I'd say, you know, there's, there's some, um, some are up and some are more challenged in this environment. Mm. The, um, I imagine, I mean, you, you've operated in the, the kids media space before. Um, that being said, I'm sure you have discovered a whole bunch of things along the way as you've been building Sensico. Um, behind the scenes, like what are some of the surprising things you've learned over the last sort of 18, 24 months? You know, I, I think, um, you know, the biggest thing I'm pleased about is you, you mentioned that, you know, we had a lot of ways that we could enter the space. Mm. Um, there's a lot of different things that we could do and spoke to a a lot of families about you know what's missing and and what's out there and I actually just started with a simple hypothesis based on my own kids which was that they um, you know they really did learn best or were most focused I should say around the things that they were interested in like their own passions and is there a there there is there a service that's really delivering on that and. Is it just nonsense or is there something to it? And so spent a lot of time with child development experts. It, you know, it turns out it's a really growing um, area of research, interest-based learning. Um, the amount of studies in the last few years has you know, tripled in terms of how many people are doing research on this and that it's a thing. And so what the biggest surprise I found is that if you do something as simple as what you see happening around you, you know, in your own family and your own environment, and you find out that that's true in many other um, family environments, and you design a product uniquely around that, that, you know, everyone wins, you know, the kids win, the parents win, um, and it's good, it's good for brands in the process. And it's very different from the character-based approach taken by others. I cannot tell you how every person who's been in this industry has told me not to build a product this way, and that you've got to do characters. You've got to just put the characters, you got to do the characters, you got to do characters. There's a lot of services that have the characters up front and that's great, you know, and maybe they, it's just great, but, but we're not doing that. You know, we're doing something that's very different and look, time will tell if it's the right thing or not, but I think it's sort of interesting. You know, one of the things that's just really surprised me is um, given what we were just talking about of how much more parents know about algorithms, and how much has been out there in documentaries and Netflix specials and you know all this kind of things like they still accept it and it's I think it's like it's just really interesting to me and surprising to me um, but 
yeah, I, at is, the same is, time, is that, does that reflect? Um, I'm trying to think about what, what does that truly reflect? Is, is that sort of parents who feel that they are just sort of willing to accept, you know, a certain level of, of imperfection in, in, in kids streaming? Or is it, is it, is it just, or acquiescence to sort of that entire data-driven model or time or what, what is that? I, I think it's, um, look, there's a lot going on in people's lives, particularly in the last you know year and a half. Sure. And you gotta get your kid to do their Zoom. They gotta do their homework. They gotta clean their room. They gotta eat something, put something in their mouth, you know, eat. You, you maybe wanna get them up the screens and moving. And, and, and the last thing parents tell us they want to fight about is getting kids off of their um, off of their uh, social video viewing time or gaming. Like I can't I can't have a fight about one more thing. And so the challenge for us is to create a product. Like it can't just be all this healthy stuff. It can't be you know vegetables all day long. It, it has to be something that kids love, which is why it was so important to get these brands because we can't create another fight for parents. So I think they accept it, even though they know it's wrong because they don't have a simple alternative. And if there was a, um, you know, when they have an alternative to what they're doing, um, they like it, they know, they understand it, they're looking for it, but they, but it can't be difficult or challenging. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting consideration set. Um, I guess with all that in mind, what are your, what are your long-term ambitions for Sensco? What, what is the, you know, what does three years from now, five years from now look like? It's a, it's a great question. I mean, we're, we're, you know, there's 48 million kids in the U.S., but there's 2 billion worldwide, you know, under the age of 13. And so we're starting in short form video with rating and curating, but the goal is to sort of extend the rating and curation and the rubric um, and this interest-based learning beyond video. So we can rate and curate podcasts or books um, or games uh, or even merchandise. And that's good for kids, but it's also good for, for parents. You know, if they can turn to Sensical for all content, all services, even merchandise that's been vetted and aggregated for their kids, that is age appropriate, that uses the best child development science, that leans all the way into your kids' interests. So to make it really simple for them to find the things they want, like that's where this goes. So, um, you know, it's, this is just really, I think the beginning. Um, and a starting. Now, I mean, I mean you, you touched on a couple of areas there that are still somewhat nascent. I mean, this is entirely off topic, but when you think about um, kids' podcasts, um, which have been growing, but it's hard to really point at many that have been kind of breakout successes. And, and it always struck me as being a bit strange. Do you think it's too early, or is it that like the the, the delivery medium isn't quite what's needed or a view of you? Uh, I think it's about, um, you know, exposure and monetization. So a lot of the money that's flown into podcasts has gone into adult mediums. And again, big services trying to hook people into subscriptions. Uh, and they're going to find, I believe, that kids and family product is the next wave for them to get sticky product and to right. um, as churn reduction. And so the money will come in a follow on wave because mm -hmm. it is a great experience for kids. It's a great experience for parents, you know, to have mm -hmm. their kids um, listen to podcasts as well. 
-hmm. it's just, just without the monetization, you don't have the ecosystem. You don't have the creators flooding right. in at this point in time, like you do right. in, in other mediums who are chasing the dollars. Yeah. yeah. I often feel that it is not a point that is well grasped by the ecosystem. It's like you, you've yeah. got to have a way for creators to be economically sustainable. Yeah. Uh, for it to yeah. Work. And also, you know, the ones that are doing it now, like they don't really take the age segmentation into approach. They just call it kids. You know, so right, right, you know, right. a, a 13 year old and a two year old, you know, you're, you're, you're in way different places. And uh, even a five year old and a seven year old, you're in different places. And so, you know, categorizing it appropriately by age and interest, um, it's just, it just doesn't really, it's not mm. really out there right now. Yeah. Eric, um, final question, which we're asking all guests uh, on the show this season is to, offer a prediction for next year. So a little bit into the future, but at this point, like more or less around the corner. So yeah, yeah, thoughts, yeah. Th thoughts for 2022? You know, um, if you look at the Gen Alpha data, uh, I'm gonna go backwards to go forwards. You know, 2020 uh, was the first time when white kids dropped below 50% of the market, you know, in, in the US. Um, you see black kids watching three times as much online content um, versus white kids, which really increases their exposure and risk when they're doing it on a lot of these platforms that aren't appropriate. Mm -hmm. You see a digital divide that's growing increasingly large and lower income families, 30,000 and under, watching 2.3, almost two and a half times as much videos as higher income families, again, exposing the risk. And so, you also see that on these platforms, if you break it down, the content is not aligned with these demographics, particularly with Hispanic audiences, which is the fastest growing population in the US. And so the prediction I would say is that um, you're, you're hopefully gonna see programming that reflects the changing audience um, more and more. So more content producers creating content for these underrepresented audiences. And as the shift goes, you know, all the way over from television um, to streaming. Hopefully services um, will win that can deliver on content where kids can see themselves because kids don't see themselves necessarily in the content right now. And, and more and more power is gonna go to these underrepresented audiences and they're gonna tilt um, for, for, the, for the streaming players who, who super serve them. And um, so that's one. And you know, sort of related to that, I think when you look at what is that these audiences want? Hispanic audiences in particular are looking for more content that is learning-based um, for, their, for their kids. And so you already see this big growth of ed tech um, that's been happening and ed tech consolidation and sales and you know, Epic um, bought and so forth. But I think you're gonna see a lot more learning content, a lot more learning products, a lot more learning toys and services um, that should, uh, again, uh, not only address the changing demographics, but be you know an, an important win for what parents in general are looking for. Look, at least I hope so. So, is it a prediction or is it a hope? I, I think uh, it could be a little of both. Yeah. Well, the, be the best predictions combined, Eric. Um, yeah. <laughs> Eric Berger, CEO of Sensco. Thank you very much for joining us on Kid Tech today. All right. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it.